Welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. If you're trying to figure out marketing for your startup, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, we go high level, looking at the intersection of branding, data, and leadership to offer you a marketing playbook to grow and scale. Join me each week for in-depth interviews, tactical advice, and practical trainings. Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Hajar, veteran marketer and startup enthusiast. I promise to bring my experience and curiosity to each episode Then together, we'll peel back the onion on this ever-changing discipline that is marketing. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. In today's episode, I'm talking with Olga Sinreich, who is the co-founder at Made Up Gossip. Made Up Gossip is a powdered soap company started here in Florida. And actually, my first dabble, my first experience in investing in any company, I actually contributed to their Kickstarter campaign. And so I was able to support them from day one. And now I get to interview Olga today and our conversation was so great. It was such a rich, um, a rich discussion about everything from finding a co-founder to her experience launching the Kickstarter campaign and whether or not she thought it was worth it. So that's actually really juicy. Um, to all the way to manufacturing and marketing. So if you're thinking of launching a product, this is an awesome, awesome episode to, to listen to, or you're actually in the midst of la- launching a product, I think you'll really resonate with um, all that Olga has to say and share. Enjoy. Hi. Hi, Hello, Victoria. I'm so happy to see you. So happy to see you too. How are you? Good. I feel like I've like, I know we haven't talked in a long time, but because I follow all your social stuff so closely, like I feel like I've seen you. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. You feel like we're always in touch, right? Because it's all over social media. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm so, thank you for doing this, by the way. This is really- Of course, I'm excited. And I, you know, I wanted to reconnect with you so much and we were planning on going to- I know the women's you conference. Know. It was just at the wrong time, and trust me, for about the first month, I was totally just not yeah myself. So it was. How's tough. your How's your family, and and where are they exactly? And they are in Donetsk. That's the eastern part of Ukraine. They are well. There. They're there. They don't want to leave. Um, I basically, there is nothing I can do to convince, convince them to leave. And, uh, it is, it's frustrating. Yeah. Scary. It's all of that. And sometimes we get so tired already of watching, reading news, you know, that you need a little bit of room to just for yourself to breathe. Cause you can't be in this 24 seven. It is exhausting. I mean, I, I think that there's just like this huge amount of helplessness too. That is just so frustrating because we're here and it's like, you know, it's like all things that happen. It's like you hear about in the news and, and yeah, people will, you know, it's like, think about all the, like all the beautiful social posts that sort of were going on with on LinkedIn. I was so surprised on the outpour in LinkedIn, just like people who were just, Ukrainian business founders, right? Or ways that we could support, you know, entrepreneurs or just people telling their story and my team's here and all these things. And it's just like, 
as the weeks go by, it's just, it's so frustrating that like, okay, things quiet down, but things haven't changed. Like it's, it's, it's just, it's an, it's infuriating and it's just, it's feel so like you feel so impotent to, to do anything, you know, it's like, it's hard. Yeah, you're right. And especially being far away uh, and, you know, being somebody who's from, from Ukraine, you know, and it's not just me because I've talked to other Ukrainians. We all feel a little bit of guilt. Of course. Even do your work or especially if you're a marketer. Yes, I know. <laughs> something because it just doesn't feel right to do that. At the same time, though, I think that with positivity though and like the thing like for example the stuff that you guys share on social is like it's so fun and light and and we need that too like that also has a place um you know it's just kind of like striking striking that balance right of like as a marketer too it's like sensitivity and realizing like and we're gonna get into all the things but like you know your company you sell soap Right. And it's like, okay, there's, you know, and, and you guys do a lot of fun campaigns and all these things. And then there's all this hardship and heavy stuff in the world, but sometimes focusing on soap is like beautiful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, so I don't know. So let, okay. Let's start at the beginning. I, I really want you to, to, to remind me and give me context for obviously I, I know all about made up gossip, but like for the listeners of the podcast, like introduce yourself but I, and tell a little bit about your story, like how you came to start made up gossip and like, and why, um, cause your background is so interesting. So why don't we start there? Yeah, I'm Olga Sinreich. I live in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, my background, it is diverse. Before I started made up gossip, I had a marketing agency. I love marketing. And my dream was to market a product and a product that would be created by me or myself and a, and a business partner or something that would be founded by me. The reason for it was because as a marketing consultant, I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me, it is frustrating at times, try to convince your client on specific marketing strategies that, that they don't particularly feel maybe comfortable with, or maybe it just doesn't go along with their personality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as any brand and uh, any company, a, a founder puts a lot of their personalities into it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted something that I don't have to ask mm -hmm. permission somebody to to say it and to create how I want, how I feel. Yeah. And then luckily I met my business partner, uh, Lacramiora, who is a chemist and who also shared the same passion for entrepreneurship. And she wanted to, always had a dream to start a cosmetics company. When she was younger, she had problems with skin. She had challenging skin and mm -hmm. Even when, as a young girl, she decided to go into chemistry for that reason. Yeah. And even now, after she got her PhD, she worked in multiple startups. She, had, she founded a company prior to Made of Gossip. 
she never actually started a real cosmetics company. So for her, it's a dream come true. So we both found each other. So to <laughs> At the challenging time of the beginning of pandemic, it was March 2020, and we decided what can we create that would be needed. And the need was created by the pandemic because people did start washing hands more and tossing out plastic bottles and creating more waste was that. So as, as the hand soap powder, that was our first product. And fast forward to right now, we just launched our third yeah so that is cool and all of them are very nice uh and we're proud of them and we have more to show and we have more to launch so it's kind of this explosion of creativity and cool things uh on on the chemistry side the formulations are fantastic they did not come out perfect from the get-go but that's the good part was the startup is as we're still small and growing we perfect them we listen to our customers feedback we talk to our customers all the time because we we sell at markets and we, we sell at events so that is how the company was founded basically it's it will be a year since we launched our first product only in October. So we technically are seven months old. Oh my God. That's amazing. We're still babies. That's wild. So I think this is super interesting for anyone that's maybe trying to develop a product. Like, can you explain a little bit about the process of formulating? So just to be clear, so the the whole mission statement of the company is to is based on the powdered concept like the reusable con like basically and i love it because you guys kind of do a great job of explaining like you're buying water right like at the store like 90 whatever percent of the product is water right and so there's so many iterations so you said this is your you have three products i know the body wash is coming out right it's so, already came out. We have oh. body wash on the market. Yeah. And last Friday, we, we launched facial cleanser. Oh, okay. It's, actually, it's two facial cleansers for two different types of skin. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. So I want to hear more about that. But let's go first into like, how do you approach developing a product, right? So it's like you have, okay, your partner, Dr. Q is a chemist. And, you know, she's what is she doing? Is she going getting raw materials, doing them in the kitchen? But then how do you sort of start producing it? And I will speak on her behalf. And of course, she would be the person who would give more details. But that speaks, she's a brilliant chemist. And she has a very curious mind. She uh, is a material scientist. And she looks at surface of the skin very differently than than a lot of other people that develop products. So there's products that are very expensive on the market and they have 20 different types of oils, 20 different types of vitamins, and but they don't really work. You don't need that many vitamins, don't need that many good ingredients to put on your skin to be effective. Her approach is to have minimum ingredients, but the ones that work. So we, are, we have a lot of constraints. We're a startup that is self-funded. Yeah. So that is, there's another very interesting part to it. So we couldn't really, 
buy everything we wanted to try. So we had to be very selective. And honestly, just because of her extensive knowledge in materials and in in chemistry and how things work. And she she consults with people that she can get some feedback on cosmetics formulations. She was able to achieve this result. Uh, about uh, three, four months ago, she gave a speech on entrepreneurship at University of Florida for, for graduate students of chemistry department. And all of them were blown away how she could achieve the result of this formulation. Because when you add powder into water, typically because it has oils, it would separate with time. So that is, that is how uh, we approach this. And my part in that would be, can I bring you coffee? Can I make you happy? What can I do? Because uh, I am not a chemist at all, but sometimes I would at least give her an idea of, of saying, because initially we wanted to create a foaming soap. And then I said, but you know, the, there are foaming soaps refillable and I don't personally, I don't care for foaming soap. I would like to have something that's real liquid. And I said, can you make that? And she said, well, let's try yeah yeah and it did take it did take hundreds of formulation to achieve the result and so how did you go about producing the the actual product so are you working like with a factory or are you guys actually still at the stage where you're producing it yourself yeah, so we're still making it ourselves. Everything is handmade. It was challenging for us to find a contract manufacturer because this is something that nobody makes and for a contract manufacturer to produce powder like ours they will have to change their production lines mm -hmm. and at the moment we don't have the volumes to get them interested uh there are some manufacturers that make protein powders and other other types cosmetics yeah, yeah. as well but they don't want to put our powder on their production line because it has fragrance oils and it has uh yeah, other, other stuff that they just don't want to mix up. Yeah. So we are going to keep going as we're doing right now up to a certain extent. And the, the ideal goal is to build a manufacturing facility here in Gainesville. Wow. And wow, that's, that's very cool. So talk to me about, let's go back to the idea of two, two things I want to touch on. Let's talk about the self-funded piece. Because I know that you guys, you did a Kickstarter. So I want to hear about that. That was my first um, like parlay into angel investing, quote unquote, as it contributed to your Kickstarter. But um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of people that probably have a lot of curiosity about the process. So I'm curious, like I, it seemed like everything I was receiving from you guys and following from you guys, it seemed like a lot of freaking work. Like it seemed like a lot of work and I'm curious as what that workload was and if there was the returns there, like what was your experience? Yeah, we completed actually our campaign ended about a year ago, uh, end of May. It was a 30 day Kickstarter campaign and with the Kickstarter, you can choose the length of your campaign after 60 days. But of course we went to different forums and we asked for opinions and talked to people that already done it and 30 days seemed to be the best optimum number of days to run the campaign. You submit for approval your projects, let's say it gets approved and you already created the campaign, which 
it's not easy, but in a way it's straightforward. So what do you need to do? You need to explain how it works. You need to create an engaging video or whatever video you decide to. Some people invest more in it, some others not. But this is only where your work begins. And even though it might seem like you completed the campaign, you launched it and now it's gonna go great. That is wrong because for this 30 days, you need to promote your Kickstarter every day and collect uh, all the uh, backers and try to get orders and try to in increase the, the numbers and the number of, of the backers there. And how you do that? So there's two, two ways uh, out of which we were budget constrained. We couldn't run 20, 30, $40,000 ad campaigns on Facebook. A lot of companies do that. Some companies raise, raise half a million, a million dollars. But let me tell you how they do it. They typically hire an ad agency. They pay them a lot of money. Usually these Kickstarter campaigns hardly ever have any return left. They, they spend a lot on the ads, but they also do have a lot of orders. So there is benefit to that. We decided to do it organically, how we could. Um, and in that sense, I consider that was a success because Kickstarter still does not represent your target audience. After you complete your Kickstarter and then launch the real e-commerce website, this whole game starts all over again and it continues every day. Yeah. So that was the choice of the branding that was the choice of humor that we decided to use because we feel like organically it is just cheaper to grow your company like that yeah so what has been okay so in terms of the growth of the company like what has been your biggest challenges right so far in terms of getting the word out there it's just sort of the budget restraint for like running ads? Like, do you think, I mean, as a marketer, what do you think if, if I handed you a check for like a hundred K tomorrow, like, what do you think where that needs to be allocated? You think to see like the biggest return now that you've been functioning for almost a year and you understand your clients better. Yeah, that's a great question. And we do ask the same questions ourselves. We have not done any paid ads so far. Yeah. And that is the, uh, that is the area where we think there is a big potential, but we also feel like right now social media ads have become so expensive and for the most part, targeting people that you need is getting harder and harder. On top of that, what we know is our target audience, most, a lot of those people, they are not on social media. They probably, they don't, they don't really use those but we would like to try it we would like to create really high-end engaging funny content and try to write ads with those so try to run ads on tv such as hulu possibly maybe even youtube uh that's one part that's with the ads next part where we would really like to to invest is uh, different types of conf conferences and exhibitions where we would have a beautiful booth mm -hmm. and we would go to New York or we would go to Miami to a cosmetics 
exhibitions where there is wholesalers, they come and they look at your product. For us, it would be great because we know our product works best when people see it and when they have their them in, in their hands, when they can smell it. Smell it. I know. It's it's so <laughs> yes, that's the best. Virtually, it's definitely the best for the second time buyer, but there is still a lot of potential to explore. And we do try to work with some influencers from YouTube, uh, people that have their channels on cosmetics. Mm -hmm. uh, usually our audience are about women 40 plus. Mm -hmm. But now that we're going to have more and more products, we hope that that might change as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I would say marketing is the challenging part right now. So, yeah, and so with that, I'm so interested in how did you, so why create more products? What was your decision behind that? Instead of just like going forward with one product, what was the reasoning behind? Because actually launching the different and getting the pack, well, the packaging is essentially the same for each, I would imagine, mm -hmm. but you have like the receptacle that you also Right. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, uh, the answer is simple because you, you know, we have our customers, customer base, it's growing. So when you launch a second product, you can resell a second product to your existing base you, you, because they already know the first one, they love it. So they will, they think they'll probably like the second. So is the third and so on. And plus, uh, we don't want it. one product company is not really a company. It's just a one product. It's not a real company, so to speak. So now the more variety you have, the more you can get tap into different target audiences. And let's say some people don't care for soap. I mean, it's just hand soap. Mm -hmm. um, nothing exciting. Well, body wash might be a little more interesting for others. And we do see that some products get more interest than, than the next. Uh, I can't speak on, about facial cleanser yet because uh, it haven't even been a week since we launched it. So we, 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 we have sales on it, but we are still into the process of discovering what's going to happen, how people are going to like it. Uh, yeah, the next products will also be something that's different, that something's new and something really good. So, uh, and also what I wanted to say is that when we launched Made Up Gossip, we were very focused on sustainability. We thought that people would love the idea of, of the, uh, refillable, recyclable, and we were wrong. Yeah, okay, let's dig into that a little bit. That's really interesting. We were wrong. Um, that is true that people, some people care about it and they're excited and they say, yes, I do try to switch to something more sustainable, low waste. And I'm always um, keep my eyes open to find something that's exciting and new. But the majority of our customers, they uh, would say that is not why they buy our product. Yeah. So right now what we figured out is the best way for us to sell our product is that people love it and then the sustainable aspect to it is just a bonus. Mm -hmm. I have totally found that in any, any client I've worked with that has like a sustainability part to their business, it's always like a nice to have. People are happy, but it's certainly not for the majority, in my experience, part of the decision-making process. 
I think that people are much more, especially for products like yours, it's like, they're much more interested as like, is it the products clean? Cause I'm putting it on my skin. Is it healthy for me? So it's more like they're centered more about their own personal benefits rather than the environmental benefits. Um, but it's interesting. So like your, your strategy is sort of looking at lifetime value and you're saying like, how can we cultivate like a, a work on sort of cultivating a, 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 a base, an audience base, and then like continuing to serve them. Right. Exactly. And so, and what has been your thought process behind the B to C versus B to B? So are you guys more focused on doing wholesale and getting like through retailers or are you trying to mount the business as like a B2C brand? So we are actually D2C as a direct to consumer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, only about 5% of our business is wholesale right now. And we do, we sell our product to smaller retailers, specialized retailers that sell plastic free, low waste types of products. Uh, I think we're in about, seven or eight of them around United States. Um, as the product is very new right now, when it's on the shelf and people don't know, even with signage, it's they're still not sure what it is. Yeah. What our hopes are is that once they start discovering, once they try them more, then we can move a little bit more into retail space and hopefully get into a, a larger retail. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah, the yeah. challenge with innovation is that, is that people don't know what it is. It looks interesting, but they're not sure how it works. So right now when we're selling face-to-face, we do a lot of explanation and demos and samples, and, and then people start getting into that. So in that sense, <laughs> competition, so to speak, is like a positive thing almost. Because like I was actually was thinking... Uh, just the other day, I had seen on the shelf, I'm trying to think of where it was. I want to say Publix, maybe, is that there was a box for like Grove. The, the, that like Grove is like a, it's almost like an Amazon kind of, right? For like home yeah. product. And they have like a powdered cleaning. It's not for soap. It's for like cleaning powder, like for cleaning your kitchen kind of thing. And they had like a box with the bottle and the powder. And it got me thinking like in that respect, if other companies start doing something similar, it's probably only going to be better for you, right? Because then the consumer starts to understand more what you're offering without there being much hesitation or question. Yeah. So everybody, everybody who creates similar products, they right now investing their money into marketing and educating educating the crowd so for us it's good definitely it's good so we pretty confident that it would be difficult to create something what what we have yeah um, what we have is different uh it's not the your cheapest product that you buy for two dollar refill we have really high-end products ingredients yeah. And uh, it's something for, for the people that appreciate that, it, that it's nice. It makes your hands very nice and smooth or your yeah. body. Have nice cinnamon, vitamin B3 in our body wash, which is amazing. Uh, so it, it, it's a little it's it's not it's high end ingredients for at affordable price. That's how it is. And then the sustainable aspect to it comes as a bonus is 
I don't even know. I don't even think a lot of people realize that it is actually good for the planet as well. Right, right. So what do you, so at this stage, right? So now you've launched three products, you've done the Kickstarter. It's only been not even a year, more or less. So what are you really focused on at this stage? Right now we're focused on marketing and sales. Yeah. We, uh, we, we were thinking about getting investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to dig into that a little bit too. Uh, yeah, that is uh, sort of another full-time job to just do that. Yeah. And uh, we are not sure whether yeah. we should do it or not. Uh, sometimes we, our opinions split, uh, but we're kind of not in a hurry because we probably don't feel the pressure that we need to do that. It would definitely accelerate the growth if we had investment but we would also want to have an investment from, if it's a VC firm from the right VC firm uh, or an angel that maybe would provide some sort of men- mentorship in marketing or connections. So, yeah, but I wouldn't say that we are preoccupied with this thought. We, we, we have this thought, maybe there will be time where we decide, okay, let's do it and let's start actively fundraising. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's one thing that, that founders often don't consider that the fundraising process is oftentimes like a full-time job. And what you don't want to do is pull your attention away from the sales and the marketing. Right? That is exactly, this is, exa- you just said, said it exactly what I think. And, you know, there's two of us and between the two of us, we have a lot to do. Um, and I just think we need to keep our mind focused on sales and marketing and good things will come just because we are hard workers. We we're not afraid to go and bring our tables and our stuff and drive hours somewhere just to, to show a product, to sell a product that, yeah, we, we love doing that. In fact, we would love to come to Miami. Maybe there will be some event that we could come as vendors. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, fundraising takes up a lot of time, even though we have our pitch deck prepared, we, we, we know what we want, but it does take up energy, uh, because you know, they're going to be asking a lot of questions. You have to be on top of all the numbers. So it's just, it does take, take a lot of your time to do that. Yeah. And I think that the other issue though, is that like, Well, there is a whole kind of can of worms to open of like what investment opportunities are here in Florida. It's interesting because there's a lot of, I mean, obviously you, with the internet, you can reach any, any investor anywhere, but so much of the process is built with personal relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is like a heck of a lot of money here in Florida, but the idea is that like, are the are there investors that are investing in DTC brands <laughs> as much as sort of tech in the tech space? Because yes. I think there's there's quite a lot of people that have flocked here, especially to me to Miami, with the idea of like getting a piece of this like tech bubble that's coming <laughs> that is here. Yeah. Which is which is true. But I do find that there is a small, small number of of 
I mean, VCs that I've run into that would do T D uh, DTC, but there certainly is nice opportunity for angels, but there is so much personal relationships that need to be cultivated, I think, in order to land those investments. That's right. I, I totally agree with you. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like if, you know, it, I don't know, like I, I'm thinking out loud here, but it, think, it seems to me like for a product-based business, the, the, the key or like the one thing that would sort of set all the dominoes off is focusing on that wholesale piece, like getting that one distribution opportunity. Because don't you feel like the direct to customer, right? So the idea is either, are you guys have like a subscription-based model or are you guys doing kind of like a, a retail model? At the moment, we don't offer subscription. That is never a problem to add the subscription model. We, we don't have such a wide customer base to, to offer it. Um, first of all, is this is interesting with the new product. We were not sure how long customers would be using our product, how long it would take them to go through one refill. And now they're so going through cycles. Now we were figuring it out. So we wouldn't even be sure right away. Should it be every four months, every six months? But um, people are not particularly excited to do any subscriptions. It's not, it doesn't mean that if we put a subscription option on a website, everybody's going to go and sign up. We probably will have maybe, I, I, I can't even imagine five, seven percent people that will sign opt out, opt in to be on subscription base. But uh, that's, I don't think it, that makes much difference. As for retail, I mean, wholesale, yes, uh, that is true. Wholesale takes up a lot of your margins, huge amount to get into a huge wholesaler. And they also demand certain volume of product, which for us wouldn't be a problem. Um, we do, we, we have started a conversation with a large retailer uh, actually about a couple of weeks ago, they approached us and it's a very long process to onboard your product on the shelf of a, of a large retailer. So we'll see what comes out of this. We, we're doing our best. Uh, we hope they like it. We hope we agree on how to sell the product, what to do with this. Again, it's all new. They don't know either. We, we have our suggestions how to sell them. We love selling them in starter kits in our boxes. But if you go to a store, you don't buy starter kits with three refills. You buy refills or you buy refill and a bottle. And we love having so many different scents and fragrances for the soaps and body washes and how many can we put on the shelf there. Good to us is that our product is so small and light. Mm -hmm. that it, there's a ton of it would fit on the shelf. Yeah. So that's the advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me about like building the company in general uh, in Florida. Like how has your experience been finding like sourcing people? Or are you just doing everything online and everyone that like, have you gotten like developers or webs, like, um, like web managers? Like who, who do you have, have you sourced and how's the experience been? Great question. So Q, Dr. Q and myself are both Eastern European women, and that is important to notice. Yeah. And as Eastern European women, 
we do everything ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think the only things that we outsourced was a cartoonist who drew our cartoons. Yes, which I love. This was number one. And second was uh, a designer of our bottle. Uh Uh-huh, exactly, I was thinking. Uh, The designer of our bottle is fantastic that we found he's an award-winning designer we found him on pinterest oh, and wow. he turned out to be from kyrgyzstan oh wow interesting and i contacted him and he was so excited to work on this because he's he just he likes something unusual and we love the bottle that he designed for us absolutely loved it the rest from the website to accounting to to formulations to bringing in heavy things yeah. <laughs> right now we we'll do it all and i believe this is how a real startup should function outsourcing things uh anyway if you if you decide to start a company make sure you have a lot of different skills or you are willing and ready to learn those skills fast mm-hmm. uh, i do the website it's not perfect yeah. Um, but it's free. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. I mean, virtually free, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, here, right? what I'm saying is that I, I of course, there's, there could be things that uh, probably need some help. And, but, but we don't have a, a person that does maintenance or we don't, we don't, we didn't never hired anybody who would help us out yet. Hopefully we will have, a lot of employees, once we have large production, once we have volumes, that we will have people. And this is our goal. We would love to have a facility in Gainesville that would create jobs. Mm -hmm. And then they would be exciting and that we would be an exciting company to work with. Um, So that is is in our minds, this is as a dream for us to have. Uh, and right now, I mean, yes, and it's funny that there is only two of us, but we do have certain culture, right? Like when people speak, <laughs> culture, we do have our own culture. Oh, and it's so important to put that from the beginning, right? Because it, it goes back to what you started saying. It's like with the marketing, right? Being part of the founders, like the company is an extension of the founders. Like mm-hmm. all companies are, right? And no matter how big they get, they come from that seed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it does. It starts with your dreams. Sometimes we we discuss what we had in the dream, like we have a storefront that looks a certain way, or we always share ideas, how we like the certain stand, how we want to place our product here and there. And other things, trust me, we didn't know how to do at all. So we had to also figure it out. Even starting like uh, every Saturday, we sell at the market downtown Ocala. Uh, that's such a great experience. None of us felt particularly comfortable from day one to do that. And we didn't know exactly how to explain that to people in the most efficient and the best way. Well, now, of course, we're pros. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You need to step out of your comfort zone and uh, do things that you haven't done before. We haven't done much and you only observed other people how they do it but hey listen this is the best this is we're living our dream even though it's uh our company's still a baby we are both excited 
sometimes when we are frustrated, it's not fun, of course, but I think I think this is the best because I think every person needs to express their creativity. It brings so much joy. It really does. Yeah, and I want to go back to what you said about doing all the things and that being an important part of the startup process. And I, I totally agree because I think that there's a lot of, especially like, I think there's, there's some, there's some individuals that kind of start, you know, kind of have this enchanted idea of the startup, right. Of having a startup and for marketing, I think you would agree, right. The value that you gain from selling at the markets. I mean, you guys are a baby company, right. But those conversations that you're having now and you're learning from right now is, are going to be the foundation, the foundational pieces for, the copy, the messaging, the promotions, all the marketing that you do. And I feel like sometimes, I mean, as we both have worked as marketing consultants, right? A lot of business owners or just business, just businesses in general feel like they can outsource that piece. And you, you really can't. Like as the founder, you need to have that connection with the customer to really get it like really get it for what they need and what they understand and what their pains are and whatever before you can build. No one else is going to solve that for you. You know what I mean? So absolutely. And uh, yes. And you see companies that are successful is when the CEO or whoever the founder or two or three of them that they are running it. They, They don't give it to their consultants, to their assistance no it's the person who runs it must do this and and i I don't know you know yes maybe in certain roles you don't feel particularly comfortable however when it is your company it doesn't matter you you just do it Mm -hmm. you do it well especially and i've been thinking about this a lot i wonder what your thoughts are you know in the in the startup realm i think there's a, a huge understanding of the importance of founder-led sales because most most of the time like that's the role that at least one of the co-founders or the founder takes is leading the sales because they know how important it is to have that connection but i think that there's less attention paid to founder-led marketing and i think that there is that idea that that could just be outsourced from day one just directed and outsourced and i think that there is an incredible value you to having, you know, the founder or one of the founders really deeply involved in marketing? Yeah, I, I think uh, it possibly could depend on the type of company. If it's a company like ours of a product, consumer product company, yeah, I feel like uh, founders must be engaged and uh, because it's all social media driven, especially people like to see faces. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to see product that much. So it is important to be there. And yeah, I, I've never been a fan of the marketing outside. I, I was consulting to startups yeah, priorly yeah. and I was saying, you guys need to learn to be marketers because it's yeah, expensive yeah, yeah. to hire somebody from the outside. Yeah. So that, that is a role that founders need to consider. It, it's, it's a very important one because it's a daily, daily work. Mm-hmm. It does not end. And it's so it's so connected to the outcome because you can outsource the accounting. 
Like you're doing the accounting now, but if, if you don't touch that, it's not really going to have, like, there's probably someone in the world. I know for me too, right. It's like, could do it better than I do it and fine. But for the sales and marketing, like for founders to truly understand that piece and drive it forward, you can hire, gosh, like, I think there's so, I mean, we can talk about this for probably ages, but like the, the flaw, like how the agency model is kind of flawed, right? Because a lot of times, again, when you want someone to just fix it, it's like, oftentimes it's hard to even just like, even for sales to hire someone else to just like build your sales process and, and train your team and all this stuff and have the founder be not included in that process at all. I, I haven't seen that happen where in a successful way. Um, obviously there's founders that are like Dr. Q, who's much more technical and, and whatever, but oftentimes people like that need co-founders like you or are always looking for that more soft skills, soft skills co-founder to help with those things because it's really the ownership of both the sales and the marketing are just exactly. like exactly. And it's interesting you brought it up when I was when I was still running my marketing agency and I was thinking about how great it would be to market your own product. I had this image of a business partner in my mind. Mm. And when I met you, I knew <laughs> that I needed a person like that. I needed a technical person who has expertise and will be able to build something. And I think for her, it was the same thing. She felt like, so we put together a very good team yeah. where everyone in, and also it's enjoyable for both of us to do what we do. She enjoys her time, time in the lab. I enjoy my time doing, doing marketing, yes. social media and so on. So that is great because you're doing it every day. You, you need to enjoy that. Yeah. So tell me, because a lot of people are having this question of where and how to find a co-founder. So right. where did you find Dr. Q? And then also, how did you know it was right? So you just knew it was right, but was there like a courting period? Like, how did you go into that partnership? We met at a pitch startup competition event, actually. Mm -hmm. um, she just moved back from Pittsburgh to Gainesville. She lived in Gainesville before 10 years prior to that. And she, when she graduated with her PhD in chemistry, and uh, she was interested in the startup community or in the business community. This is how we met. And uh, we were just, we, you know, just we knew each other. And then at some point she had a project in mind and she wanted to ask people about their feedback. So we had a meeting and our meeting lasted for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> we figured out. I think it's a combination of the fact that uh, of, of the ideas she was presenting that I found that there was a lot of originality and uh, that, that she had very interesting way of thinking different than, than I met in other people. And the second, possibly that we were culturally a, a bit similar. Uh, like I said, the women from Eastern Europe. Yeah, yeah. We got along and it's, it is important. You need to have the right chemistry there as well. It's, uh, you know, we're friends and we're business partners. Yeah. Uh, I would say that, of course, in a larger place like Miami, the, uh, the ecosystem there is much bigger than here in Gainesville. And you go and meet people, connect with people, 
see who you get along and just keep in mind that you will be spending with this person more time than you spend with your family. So you'd rather <laughs> like them as well. <laughs> it's like a marriage. It's like yes. a marriage. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. So, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. So to, so for anyone out there that wants to experience the soap, the, the body wash, the be the first to hear about the face wash, like where can everyone follow you and find you? Great. We have our website on madeupgossip.com. We are on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, on TikTok. Uh, please place your orders. Try. Uh, you can mix and match your own scents. We have fragrance-free products. They're all fantastic. And we always look for feedback. We always look for collaborations. We would love to be a part, a part of events, especially if it's in Florida. We, we would have no problem showing up somewhere and meeting other people. It is exciting for us too. We understand that building relationships, building successful collaboration campaigns is very important. And it is beneficial for other companies so as much as to us. So why not do that? If we can put together something fun and cool and along the way, meet other people, that would be great. We're always open to that. I always look for these types of relationships. Very cool. Well, I'll stick all of that in the note, like the show notes for the episode. Um, but last, as, at Market Under Marketer, I'm curious, because you guys are on TikTok, how have you been finding just your experience on TikTok, maybe as compared to like Instagram. Are you finding like it easier to get traction at all as a brand? Um, not at all. In fact, uh, I feel like it, there is so much content these days. I don't know if it's necessarily a sales platform. Mm. I think the more it goes on, the less. But also another very important thing to notice is that our target audience is older than for the most part than the people that are on on TikTok. Mm-hmm. We're still doing it because there's a lot of fun things that we do and we share uh, just because of content is fun. But I wouldn't say that it, we've had great success. We had a couple of our TikTok videos going sort of viral. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really translate into into sales. So I don't believe in anything that is going fast and easy. I know that we have to grind and we have to go and explain to each customer how our product works. And uh, we just hope they love it. And, and that usually happens. They come back, they tell their friends. And that that's the only way I believe you can build something. No, I totally... I- Totally agree. I think that the TikTok, the TikTok thing is is interesting because I think there's this idea now from a lot of marketers that I've been following is that, you know, that this this huge opportunity, you know, lives in TikTok, all those things. Yes, but the point is it's longevity and consistency. Like you cannot get around that. And as you said, even if a couple of videos go viral, it's that's not the end of the game. That's like commit to that for the end till the end of time of just being on social, showing up, providing content, providing entertainment, because again, it is the long game. Like all of marketing is a long game and just consistent action. So that's very, 
Very much in line with what, what I, I agree with. I agree with that. Um, thank you so much. This is so great. It was so great to chat with you. Such a pleasure. And I, I, I hope we're going to meet each other soon, uh, have some coffee, glass of wine. Yes. You know, we actually not that far from each other. So no. And finally, you know, seems like it's much better now. We're not wearing masks anymore and we can travel. I know. Absolutely. And plus, I, I mean, I think like if you're ever in any events like coming down, I, I'm trying to think of like events that I'm going to around Florida. Like I had been up to, you know, I went for the female founders thing and there's like a lot of like tech events here in Miami, but it's sort of like, I would love to, you know, go to comp, like women's conference. Like that, that's what I've sort of been think like kind of in my mind of like, is there any women's conferences coming soon? So I have that on my radar. If there's any around Florida, I will let you know because I will drive awesome. to anywhere it comes. And yeah, and- that would be great. That, that, that would be fantastic. Perfect. Well, and anyway, I can support you. You just let me know. But thank you, Victoria. You're, 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 you're amazing. Oh, stop. You're amazing. No, but honestly, and plus I like, I use your product. I love it. Like it smells so good. It's, it's so funny because we have like, I have like your your pump and the original, which is the one, I mean, they have several kinds, but one of them is like the original, original first one. What the heck was it? it smells so good. Sea salt agave probably. Yes. Yes. So, and yeah. it was like, so it was like in the one like guest bathroom that no one uses, but I would always sneak there just to wash my hands because it just smelled so good. And it's so feels so good. So I love it. But I think like, if I, I were to give you like a, a t- like some advice or some things that could work, is I would for your existing anyone who's bought from you try direct mail like try sending them a piece of mail if you can like if you've shipped them products like I, I keep thinking like you know for Grove or for these like meal ordering platforms or whatever like I get these little like postcards in the mail because you think like okay if women are targeting your 40s and you know, maybe they've got kids or whatever. There's all these other brands. Like I pay, I mean, people call them junk mail, but I gotta tell you, I pay attention mm-hmm. like with a, with the discount code or whatever, because I think that email, like, obviously, you know, you guys send emails. That's great. You're on social, but it's just, I think that you're right. I like that idea actually. It's like a little bit like cut out the noise. There's so much freaking noise. And I think for direct to consumer products, it's like other brands are doing this to success. It's like, like, I know that there's, there's some flyers that I'm getting like for like the matrix company or like the suitcase company or what, whatever. And I, I mean, I listen, I look at circulars. I'm like, you know, I'm not 40 yet, but I'm almost there and I'm your target. And it's like, it's just something different. I just feel like there's so much freaking noise with e- with email for products because products companies send so many freaking emails. Like I get it, but they're sending a lot of times these brands are sending five times a week. I know it's too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I unsubscribe from most, but like maybe one or two if I'm like in the market to buy in that moment. But it's like, how can you stand out? I think a, I think a direct mail is interesting, especially if you're focused on lifetime value and you're like, let's really serve the base that we have and grow that word of mouth and grow that organic. It's like, where can we pour 
a little bit of investment into like a nice postcard and just send it with like a, a discount code or some or announcement of the new fragrance. I think that could be interesting. And just yeah, that's a great idea. I really like it. I need to look into this. Uh, why not, actually? And, and I would know a lot of our customers here locally, so we'll probably, yeah, we could, that would not cost much either. Right. I would do that because right, you're meeting people at the market too. So it's like, you know, get, you know, you got to get, email, you got to get addresses, but then also another thing to test out is through text message, you know, cause everyone's like email, email, but I, I know that, you know, if you guys send some funny things, like you guys are so funny. It's like, what would it be to get like a voice note, like send a mass voice note over text of both you guys or like a little video, like just to, you know, just, to, it could be interesting. It's like, what ways can you kind of do something different? Because it's like, we're cultivating this small group of enthusiasts so you can get a little right. higher touch, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, could be fun. I'll be yeah. waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great ideas. I like it. Right, because it's like to stay on top of mind because actually the, the big problem with the hand, the, the product in general is this, it's like, God, how, how long till they need to refill? Right. And, yeah. it, and it's gorgeous to have your product because actually buying extra soaps, they're like, they're the refill bottles are so big and they take up a lot of space underneath the sink. So it's like, you know, you could, anyway, it's about staying on top of mind. And yeah, anyway, I agree. Thought I would just share that. But anyway, anytime you want to pick my brain, uh, do some market research, I'm available. Thank and you so much. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. Anything else? Glad we did it. Chatting with me. Of course. Of course. All right. We'll be in touch. Let me know if you find any women's conferences in Florida. Okay. I will. Okay. Have a good day. Bye, Victoria. Bye. Bye. You did it. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate you as an audience member and I hope that you found this helpful if you did like this episode it would mean so so much to me if you subscribed if you rate and review this podcast it helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying it also would be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at ugly ventures u-g-l-i ventures v-e-n-t-u-r-e-s I am always so appreciative to hear from you and I hope to see you back here next week on the Marketing for Startups podcast.